Hello, welcome to Prince Track by Track, I'm your host Dan, and today we're going to be talking about an unreleased track. Uh, I think this is only the third time I've covered an unreleased track, normally I don't go in this direction, but um, with it being the 30th anniversary of Batman, and in particular its release here in the UK, um, I have not gone with the American release date, because that was sometime in June. Uh, it came out over here in August, almost eight weeks after it had been out in America. Um, there was a time when that happened. These days we get films before the Americans. Um, and so we're going to be talking about Dance with the Devil, uh, which obviously takes its name from a well-known uh, saying within the film. Recorded February 1989 at Paisley Park and included on the March 1989 Batman configuration uh, as the final track. Um, then they rejigged the album a little bit and um, it was the antepenultimate song followed by Bat Dance and then The Arms of Ryan. And then before the release happened, um, Warner's were looking for like a lead single and they decided they did not like Dance with the Devil as the lead single. And uh, for, because it was rejected, Prince was like, okay, I'll just take it off the album altogether. Um, he'd already obviously replaced the songs Raven to the Joy Fantastic and 200 Balloons because because um, uh, Tim Burton had not liked those songs. And so uh, this kind of was put to the side. Although, you know, it never found an official release anywhere. Although... Uh, it doesn't take much to find it on the internet and, uh, you know, it has been widely bootlegged for the last 30 years. Uh, on the track, it is just Prince by himself. Um, I'm guessing if maybe this had been kind of like uh, released, there would have been some remixes and Prince would have brought some people in. But as it is, it's just him by himself. Uh, it is 7 minutes 58 and joining me to talk about today, uh, I have John Parker. Hello, John. Hello. Thanks for having me. And Niall McGowan. Hello, Niall. Hey, hey, Darren. Obviously, I've decided to have uh, both of you return to the podcast uh, mm. due to the subject material, with it yeah. being Batman, and obviously with both of you being the hosts of Bat Minute uh, 89 and Bat Minute Returns, I guess yeah. would be the, the correct titles. And I'm sure sometime next year, uh, long after I have given up on this podcasting <laughs> nonsense, uh, Bat Minute forever. Um, That's the thing. I'm trying to think, though, because me and John have definitely both been on this sh this show Yep. Separately, mm -hmm. have we ever been on together? No. Or is this a first? This is a first, oh. right? Yeah, this is this is like a crossover type thing, isn't it? I, no, you know, what is I this a crossover should... episode? <laughs> <laughs> I figured we should save it for you know something big. Mm. Um, that, that really took me back though when you're saying. Oh, yeah, this came out like eight weeks after the American release. It's like, yeah, that just doesn't happen anymore. I'm guessing nowadays it's because of like oh, spoilers and piracy and stuff like that. You need to like oh, sync yeah. these things up a little bit. But yeah, that was way, way back when it was like, oh, this huge thing came out in America. And then over here, like, yeah, you'll get it eventually. Yeah, and eight and weeks like, was a quick <laughs> turnaround then. I remember actually specifically, yeah. kind of appropriately enough, uh, there was a week difference when The Dark Knight came out in 2008 because I have one of my friends who lives in America, Carrie uh, Kroshta. Uh, I remember her saying, just coming coming on, but like, oh my God, it was so amazing. And I was just like, shut up, shut up, shut up. I have to wait a week. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird because obviously one of the other podcasts that I've done recently has been about Seven. And that was released in America in September 1995. And it wasn't released over here until January 1996. Oh so that was like a four-month gap. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's, I mean, it, it does happen a few times. There's still a few films, even as we record at this moment, there's a few films that are already out in America two or three weeks, and they still haven't got over to here yet. So it still kind of happens these days. But with something this big, mm. you know, like there's no way that it wouldn't be a day-and-date international release. You know, like there's no way they would make us wait like, you know, eight weeks for you know end game or yeah yeah um, you know like it just it just would not happen these days well and as I you said they, at the they beginning did do it. There, sometimes we get it early now sometimes we're the winners 
due to due to football because obviously they want to avoid the football ah, yeah. over here. They try to avoid June, July if there's like you know the World Cup on. So we tend to get stuff a little bit earlier then. If I remember correctly, I do think that Ant Man and the Wasp had a delayed release here because I remember it come out in America and then it just not been here and been like what the hell. But I think because it was Ant Man and the Wasp, nobody cared. <laughs> so Aww. it's just like it's like oh this one's like I think people were just getting over Infinity War too so the fact that like you had to wait an extra couple of weeks was like eh whatever you know <laughs> I've, I've just had a big thing like I don't need it a thing straight away after particularly if it's not continuing the story and stuff but that was the last time I can remember Bis been like what do you mean it's not out here like when's it coming out here why is it coming out here so late what the hell's going on football that's why it came out so late football yeah. it's always football <laughs> blame football it's always football it's always football, and the worst of all things is um, it's also always Wimbledon as well. The, the Wimbledon fortnight always has a habit of pushing stuff back a couple of weeks. That's why there's a few films that, like I say, they're already out in America, but they're going to be a couple of weeks delayed getting out. Oh, because of Wimbledon? Of, uh, yep. Jesus. They don't think people want to go to the cinema while, while sport is on television. It's such a weird concept. It doesn't, <laughs> make, any, doesn't make any sense to me, because that's where I want to go. Yeah, that's where I, I go to get away any... from the sport. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm back so. <laughs> in the day before I had like access to the internet and before like my parents upgraded to like getting a Sky package and stuff. When I was a kid and Wimbledon was on, it was just the worst thing ever because yeah. oh my God, that dude. was it. Like BBC, both BBC channels would be like, all we're showing is Wimbledon. And it's just like, for Christ's sake, nobody, who cares? If there's a rain delay, they don't put other stuff on. They just put old Wimbledon on. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, seriously, do I need to watch, you know, Bjorn Borg versus John McEnroe for the 20th time? It's getting boring. Of course you do. It's um, a masterpiece. Probably. I don't know. I know nothing about tennis. <laughs> yes. Um, so, like I said, you know, Dance with the Devil was rejected, I think, mostly by Warner Brothers. I don't think Tim Burton even really had that much of an opinion on it because it wasn't going to be featured in the film. Um, and so, you know, it didn't really make that much of a difference to him. But Warner Brothers were looking for a lead single, basically. Um, and I, uh, you know, so I think like one of the main things was this is a little bit too similar to Bat Dance in so much as it uses samples in the middle of the song. Mm. Um, there are a lot or pretty much the entire album has samples between tracks, um, which are meant to indicate who is singing the next song. You know, usually a sample from the Joker or something. And then, you know, you get electric chair and OK, that's meant to be the Joker singing, you know, like stuff like that. You know, a sample from, you know, Vicky Vale and then Lemon Crush comes on. Mm. So. You know, the, the, the kind of the samples weren't unheard of, but this is kind of one of the only songs on that album that would have basically had samples in the middle of the song. Um, you know, I think 200 Balloons also had samples in the middle, but they obviously that was dropped and that was made a B-side. So, um, you know, it, that doesn't really count. I, I was exceptionally excited to hear uh, Pat Hingle feature on a, like a sexy pop song. <laughs> it's like, there he is. He's finally getting his moment in the sun. <laughs> Well, when I think of sex, I think of Pat Hingle. Yeah, but now I just want, like, I, I desperately want someone to do, like, a remix version with just using all of Gordon's dialogue from Batman. So it just kind of starts <laughs> like, hold it right there. God damn it, we had him. God damn it, we had him. Oh, my God. I didn't think it could get any better. Yeah. And just yeah. ends at the end with him going, oh, my God. Come on, let's go, let's go. And it just fades off into <laughs> into the ether <laughs> yeah this has like th kind of three main samples the first one like you say is pat hingle with uh with you searchlight up on the tower right now move move which is a, a, such a weird kind of sample because i don't think it really fits with like the first half of the song no but, not yeah. at all i guess completely done yeah i guess prince, prince was just like okay you know 
Um, and then, you know, we have the, uh, you know, without you, I just wouldn't want to go on, which is kind of, that's just bef before the song switches to the kind of, the first half is, is, is kind of like, um, a few kind of verses. And then the second half is just this kind of repeated long chorus of, um, dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. And then kind of, you know, uh, I, I guess you could say kind of like a, f a couple of kind of stanzas about that particular thought. Mm. Um, and then we finish with uh, the Joker saying, "It's as if, uh, <laughs> it's as if, I sorry, I can't. This, I, I, I mean, I love the gag where it's like, you know, um, you know, we were made for each other, Beauty and the Beast. Of course, if anyone else calls you Beast, I'll rip their lungs out. Like <laughs> it's, I mean, I love Jack Nicholson's delivery. It's that. great. It's such, it's such a funny joke. But yeah, yeah. so." Um, yes, and then obviously, you know, that the song finishes with Dance with the Devil in the Pale Moon, like, put your arms around him and hold him tight. Um, but, like, the first half is a lot more kind of, like, moody, and it's really weird because this feels like this would have been suited better to the film than some of the other songs. Oh, yeah. Um, that kind of ended up there. Um, and, you know, certainly, I, like, for a genre, I have no idea what to say. I mean, um, it kind, it's weird because it kind of almost feels like a bit, like, uh, Prince is attempting to mimic... Uh, the kind of general overall kind of like score. So it feels like he's trying to do like a Danny Elfman. Um, yeah, I got like a vibe a of, of like, it, it reminded me a lot of like a John Carpenter score musically. Not the lyrics, yeah. of course. <laughs> very, very different. But the music, it sounded like it was just Prince sat up at like three in the morning in his bedroom with a keyboard, just hammering this thing out. <laughs> yeah. Um, or more accurately, uh, with a cushion in his recording studio, <laughs> yeah. uh, because he, he is known to go to sleep in his recording studio when he was recording so much. Uh, um, I'm I'm kind of gutted that this was cut from the album because yeah. this is like a really really good song. <laughs> it's I was like impressive, like how could instantly get you in, and just how ominous and atmospheric it is at the beginning. Oh, it's, it's spooky. It, yeah, it it it, do, it really really does suit the movie more than like you know say well to be fair trust kind of suits the scene it's in and stuff but like in listening to those opening notes and stuff i can imagine them been like oh this should be at the beginning instead of the future it should be this like this would work perfect like those establishing shots of gotham as like this you know as they said anton first said like you know it's like hell you know the ground erupted and hell just grew up from underneath it was kind of strange though in that you know, throughout the entirety of that album, they do have stress and they're like, oh, who's this song from the perspective of? And I guess you're saying oh, well, whoever's sampled in it will be who it's about. So that would indicate that this song has been sung by the Joker. But everything in the lyrics to me indicates that this is not just, you know, about batman but it's more like it's almost about like the the creation of batman just even in yeah i would say like the first half feels like uh it's meant to be bruce wayne yeah and then after the you know uh devil's children no love inside there is a soul but it has died and it cries and it cries at that point it's like maybe you know the murder of his parents and then the second half with the whole dance with the devil in the pale moonlight is you know uh the kind of batman half um, you know, I say half. It's probably you know slightly. It's, it's a shorter part of the the song. The kind of the, the kind of the moody part is 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 a lot longer in terms mm. of the the mm. overall runtime of the song. Well, um, like another thing as well is like to say like oh, it'd be good in the opening scenes, but also I thought they could have used it really well in the um, in Bruce's flashback. Like not as it is, but if Prince and Danny Elfman had worked together, like you know, but like because if you do remember when like Bruce pauses the screen and the Joker. There's a very distinctive piano, like dun 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 dun, and it goes into this very moody music throughout the entire flashback and stuff. 
You could have done that with this. You could have had Danny Elfman rejig it and have that be this like maybe not have Prince singing because that would be a bit of too much of a distraction. <laughs> but like, because then everything in it was like the. Um, it seems like the lyrics to me at the beginning, at least, are talking about like yeah the the Bruce's parents' death and the creation of Batman because it's you know the cunning liar. We could be like, oh, that's, is that the Joker or is that Bruce Wayne himself? Because he has to hide his identity. Oh. Eternal fires, like the constant rage that's in him about the death. You know, demon clever, is that the Joker or is it the demonic Batman, you know, figure that he's created, the monster that Bruce Wayne has given well, birth to and stuff. Promise forever, the eternal promise to avenge his parents' death and stuff like that. And it's all the stuff about you know, living in fear, the devil is near. It's like that's Bruce in the alleyway while you know the devil has just shot his parents and stuff. Can you feel his death? Pray? Can you feel his breath? Pray for death. All this stuff is just like have no savior, have no faith, never look for heaven's gate. Although that was like that Bruce's parents take him to see heaven's gate. <laughs> but they were leaving. They thought it was footlight frenzy in the movie, but no, apparently it was Michael Cimino's. Three and a half hour masterclass, but yeah, to say everything <laughs> yeah. about it, it's just like yeah, devil's children, no love inside. There is a soul, but it has died. It's like yeah, as we like to say on the show, Bruce Wayne died in that alley with his parents. So oh, the thing that came out is the devil's child, is the Joker's creation. It's Batman. There's no love left inside. There was a soul, but it's died. He's become something else. Like that's what it really like. That's why I was so like this is. If that's what Prince was going for, it? I think he probably is. I, I mean, Prince is bringing what he knows to the track. You know, his, he likes his religious stuff quite a lot, doesn't he? So he's bringing a bit of that in. But I think, like, adapting it to the material at the same time. Like, how can I make what I know work for this? Mm. And uh, he pulls it off because at first you assume, oh, it's probably about the Joker or something. But then, yeah, you actually pay attention. You know, the the, the mental scarring of, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight was said to him the day... Bruce's life essentially ended and he became something else. And then now he's he is putting his arms around him and holding him tight. Batman has chosen to continually dance with the devil in the pale moonlight mm-hmm. by, you know, ad- adapting the lifestyle that he has and stuff. And yeah, yeah, I just thought the it was. Yeah, this is a great, a great, great track. Well, that would explain as well why it's so haunting and kind of spooky and downbeat at the beginning. Because, I mean, what what happens to Bruce is sad like you it's upsetting he's essentially as we said he's died there yeah. is no bruce wayne but um and you know you can argue that you know michael keaton's performance as bruce wayne is um i'm sure i'm not the first to ever say this but like that is kind of the mask that he's putting on in front of everybody to kind of be this normal person which obviously he struggles a lot with because yeah. he ends up freaking out a lot of people just by his normal <laughs> behavior um in inverted commas so like the idea that he has been permanently changed by the joker is obviously something that it feels like Prince is kind of latched onto, um, and and that is kind of what he's saying. But I would say also at the same time, you ha- it maybe also has this idea of, if it is from the Joker's point of view, then um, you know this is maybe what has happened after the Joker has been, you know, yeah. after Jack Napier has turned into the Joker. It can it can work for that, you know, like um, the whole kind of cunning liar, you know, demon clever, like that kind of maybe sums up exactly what Jack Napier was trying, you know, at the, at the beginning of the film, you know, he's having this affair with his boss's <laughs> mall and, you know, he's, you know, he's kind of trying to be cunning and, you know, this kind of live in fear, you know, like, um, you know, curious, try and always die, you know, maybe that's the Axis chemicals thing going on. Um, and then, you know, the devil's children, maybe those are his goons and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I don't, you know, like, so the, you can maybe interpret it either way, but I think it's stronger if you think of it as, 
you know, about Bruce Wayne and, you know, the fact that, you know, there is a soul, but it has died. Yeah. Like, that that seems to make sense more for him. Although I would say, again, you know, that, that might apply to Jack Napier after he's killed Bruce's parents. You know, like maybe now he has no soul. Like you don't know how many people Jack Napier's killed before that, that moment. Mm. Um, you know, and, and then the second half of the song does just turn into... Uh, the uh, these kind of very long poems with everything rhyming, which I I love. Kind of, it's rare that Prince kind of gets this rhymy, um, but you when you have like moonlight hold him tight to fight tonight, and then, <laughs> and then that kind of repeated and it. I don't know. It's I kind I kind of I kind of like the kind of the 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 kind of the the rhythm of it as well, um, because he instead of taking the whole kind of quote of you know have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight, he just takes the dance with the devil in the pale moonlight it feels more direct and oh he's he's telling you what's happening yeah this is it it's more of a directive um so then the rest of it if you know put your arms around him and hold him tight give up to the feeling and don't try to fight (laughs) he wants your soul and he wants it tonight you know like it's again like that then feels particularly with the sample about you know put the searchlight up on the tower that then feels like what happens at the end of the film with the climax and you know how the joker is kind of in this dance one might say with bruce wayne at the end and you know that kind of that that particular fight Mm. um you know that that kind of and it's interesting as well that um prince doesn't use this use a sample from the film of the joker saying this he sings it himself and then samples himself and he uses Genius that sample. Move. Yeah, so he, he, he kind of, because obviously, I, I don't know, I mean, I guess there would have been like a kind of a crude auto-tune, so I guess he could have auto-tuned Jack Nicholson to sing it. Um, <laughs> Maybe he tried and it sounded terrible or something. Although that could, I yeah. can't imagine that would, wouldn't sound insanely brilliant. <laughs> like, <laughs> that might be evidence then that it, that it is from uh, Batman's perspective, because you, you could easily mm. use the Joker's sample at least once there although yeah. i am I'm, I'm sticking with the fact that i i think you know a common theme in batman is how similar they actually are deep down batman and the joker they're like a mirror of each other or, or yeah. you know the reverse so i i think the whole point of the song is that it's multifaceted that it can apply to mm. both of them because they are so similar well, they've had similar experiences weirdly if you were to take the the samples of the joker's dialogue that they're using out of context because within the film he's actually talking to vicky vale but if you consider it, is there's been some kind of comment on the Batman Joker relationship? You know, well, kind of like you know, without you, I just wouldn't want to go on. You know, you know, we're, it's as if we were made for each other. Beauty and the Beast and all that. Like, if this was the Joker talking to Batman, that's likely what that's pretty much the Joker Batman relationship in modern comics. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the Joker is obsessed with Batman, and just, like, he genuinely seems to have a like he feels that they are connected like they're only two people who understand each other and then yeah, Batman... it's like Hannibal and Will Graham exactly yeah and then Batman's kind of got like a, a very begrudging yeah I guess <laughs> you know he doesn't like it but sometimes he has to admit like I guess me and the Joker are kind of like like I hate him but he's also kind of one of the only people who kind of gets me and stuff and um, <laughs> when so... it goes a little bit into it in the movie not loads but there's, you know there's little nods of it I think and references yeah, this is now a bit like you know something like when the Dark Knight came out, they flat out address it. <laughs> Whereas oh, yeah. back then, it was a bit more like, no, it's bad guy, good guy. There's still that kind of simplicity to it. Put your arms around him and hold him tight. The second time round, he says, "Close your eyes to love and die." Um, mm. So again, like it suggests this certain kind of fatalistic kind of um, Bruce Wayne or Batman who doesn't have kind of like a consideration for his own life and just wants to kind of get rid of the Joker. 
Um, and I think that kind of, that also kind of fits with the film as well. There are a few times in certainly the you know Batman eighty nine where you think to yourself, you know, there are points where Bruce Wayne does seem to have a bit of a death wish in terms of trying to catch the Joker. Oh, yeah. Well, There's the thing too in the uh, the original Sam Ham draft is like when he's going into that final battle, he's pretty much like I'm not coming back from this. Like I know I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna make it. So there's a real like, but I gotta do it. So that was uh, that was that was the vibe that he was going for from from the off anyway. Yeah, and I definitely think Prince seems to understand that in this track. Not that he doesn't on the rest of the uh, the released album, but. Mm. As as we've said, this would actually fit the movie better than most of those. It well, wouldn't fit the album that actually came out as well. Is my yeah. only problem. I think the flow would be disrupted. Songs that are in there and they're good songs, but like the future is still kind of like a little like what? Because it's like you know I've seen the future <laughs> and all this, and it's like coinciding with a film that very very much looks like it's from the past <laughs> so it's like yeah. it's for the future but it looks like it's the 1940s what's going on but, that's the gag yeah so then this this track would like like if you had to choose one to go it's like well this one gets the movie more at least just from the yeah ignore any other unreleased tracks or anything imagine just plonking this onto the finished album mm. where would it even go i don't know i don't think it would fit the rest of the songs on there yeah yeah which is a shame because this is one of my favorite new songs i've heard in years <laughs> i'm obsessed with this well, I, I mean, originally, like the the running order was pretty much the same as it is on the album, with the future electric chair, arms of Orion, party man mm. being the first side, and then obviously Vicky waiting, trust lemon crush, and then obviously scandalous to finish it out, um, and then dance with the devil would have come after scandalous, which I, I which would have been mm. such a weird kind of. I don't know how that would have made any sense. No, I can't imagine. That would have been an odd. Shit. Yeah, going from Scandalous to Dance with the Devil. But then when they rejigged it a little bit, um, you know, prior to kind of removing some of the songs, um, it was going to be the future electric chair Scandalous Party Man, which, I, again, mm. I don't know how that fits together. Uh, no. Vicky Waitin, Trust, Lemon Crush, and then Dance with the Devil. And then, like I said before, they were going to finish with Bat Dance, and then Arms of Orion would have been the final track, which is <laughs> such a... Such a weird way. No, to that's that. weird. I could see Lemon Crush maybe go into this because it, it's a shift and it's different, but not so different that it would completely just baffle you. Mm. <laughs> like it, uh, it one seems to kind of flow into the other movie. I don't think it's a sample, but some kind of to back up the idea that is that is might it's more from Batman's perspective. The song there does seem to be like sound effects, and it sounds a little bit like. Um, like Mac and it's always sunny doing karate moves. It's a kind of like, <laughs> whoa, 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 yes. whoa. And it's like, is this supposed to be Batman training? Uh, like yeah. it's him doing his martial arts and stuff. <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a song which is on graffiti bridge, which is called new power generation, which is after bat dance. New power generation is lit. No, no, it, uh, sorry. Can't stop. This feeling is the next track in Prince's discography. But then after that is, um, new power generation. And on that, it has the same kind of like karate chopping sample type thing. Um, and it's just it's just like a, a set of samples that Prince had, had got like with a new keyboard. And basically it was just on there and he liked the sound. And so he started <laughs> he started putting it on a few tracks. And then I think somebody was like, Prince, like you can't just keep putting karate chop sounds on every single song. Yeah. So he kind of stopped well, a little bit. Uh, you were saying like, oh, they, they, you know, Warner Brothers were, weren't happy with the concept of this as a lead single. It's like it's way too dark and stuff. But I'm still surprised from finding out that um, when Doves Cry was like the the lead single from Purple Rain. When <laughs> it's like what? Yeah. That's like it's like the most like one of the most somber friggin' tracks on there. But then the end of this just sounds like the end of When Doves Cry. That little synth. Yep. It's the same kind of 
Just like Prince is like, ah, let's wrap it up now. <laughs> Done. Yeah, that is, yeah, that is pretty much the same thing. That little kind of synth run. That's just something that he puts at the end of Windows Cry as well. But yeah, I guess uh, I think because he, you know, he kind of he did this almost like not as like a demo, but kind of like just as a a kind of first idea. Um, and then the the idea would have been as they got closer to release that he probably would have gone back and polished up a few of the tracks as he did with you know some of the other songs on here and you know like uh, expanded back dance just a little bit to add some more samples and whatever. As much, I love the sound and I like that it sounds this way, but it does come across a little bit like a demo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, like, definitely. It's not quite as crisp. And but I was thinking, well, could that just be the YouTube thing I'm listening to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's just how, that's just how it sounds. And I, I I think the interesting thing is it sounds closer to some of the stuff that Prince have been doing uh, with Sign of the Times and even a, like some of the stuff that's on Love Sexy. Um, and it, it just it's just the sound of Prince alone. That's just what happens when Prince is by himself in the studio. He just has a a habit of kind of producing things a certain way. Um, when he has mm. no outside input, and this is pretty much kind of like that sound, which is you know just kind of the raw, uh, kind of like synthesizers and a basic beat, and that's pretty much it. Oh, I love it. Doesn't need anything else. <laughs> no. Well, I mean, there's there's like the there's like a little kind of Gregorian chant that's in there that Prince had used on a song for Madhouse as well, and obviously mm. the kind of the run at the end does sound pretty much the same as when does quite. Yeah. But I, I, it feels like if he'd have gone back to it, he probably would have you know maybe added some more samples and you know from the film and then probably also would have tidied things up just a little bit because you know i feel like the end in the whole dance with the devil thing kind of goes on maybe one time too many <laughs> it's like mm. um you know i think eight minutes yeah. is a little bit long for it probably you know a minute or so shorter and you probably would have got the same point i guess you you're always going to realize it but it's just weird it's like oh i guess it would have had to have been that way because the the sample he's using like the uh, the beauty and the beast line Within the finished film, that's got the the Danny Elfman like the waltz to death, you know, da, 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 da. like that's in the background. But this is crisp and clean, so it's like, oh, I guess Prince had like a work cut that he was getting these samples from, where there was no finished score and stuff in the background. And it's like, yeah, yeah. it's just weird to think, like, oh, I guess he, yeah, Prince was getting to see an early rough cut of Batman, but like, oh, I'm taking that line, I'm taking that line, and then later on, they're like, <laughs> Elfman was working on the score behind that. Did he pick the lines himself? Do we know this information, or was he given the line? Yeah, no, he, like, he, well, he, he visited the set in the, the January while they were still filming, and then obviously from that, he went back to the studio and recorded a few songs, um, you know, that he felt would be suitable for the, for the album, and then obviously <laughs> Tim Burton said no to a couple of those, and so he had to go back into the studio to record a couple of others, <laughs> Um, but by the time it got the, to like the, March, he'd actually seen a, a rough cut of the film. And so that was the point at which he could then start to pick which samples he wanted between the tracks and, and you know, what samples he wanted for Batdance. But Batdance, I don't think he even really finished Batdance up until about like two or three weeks before the single was actually released. He was still kind of oh going back and adding stuff to it until until pretty much like as close to release as he could get away with doing <laughs> because you know Jesus. he wanted to just keep adding more and more stuff to it and kind of you know he had the basic outline and then there is a long i think there is a there's a longer version of bat dance that's like a couple of minutes longer that has like just more music not more samples but basically prince had you know uh, whatever sample he wanted from the film warner brothers were going to clear it so it didn't make any difference to him like he could literally pick any lines he wanted and warner's would be like okay you can have them I was imagining though, like Prince having access to that dialogue and like really going hard, and like we have to make a song called "I'm of a Mind to Make Some Moogie. because <laughs> it's just like that's what Prince is all about, man. It's like I am yeah. constantly of a mind. 
to make some Mookie. He has that sample on the album. It's on one of the tracks. Um, <laughs> so, but it's just, it's not part of like a song that it has samples. It's just kind of like between a couple of tracks. <laughs> He's um, like, I'm working on it in somewhere, damn it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so he, he had access to every single, like every single sample. No matter what, how many lines of dialogue he wanted, he could basically have them all. Yeah. Um, I always but, just wonder uh, what Prince's opinion would have been of face to face. Like, did he ever, like, listen, you know, did he go to any of these other Batman movies, like, just casually, and was like, let's see what they're doing here. Like, was he, was he, like, you know, one point in concert was doing covers of Kiss from a Rose or something? He's like, I could have done that one. Though, Niall, you've made me sad that I never got a duet between Prince and Susie Sue. Ah. Because I actually think it would work with his uh, his sexuality and her, like, ice queen thing going yeah. on. They'd have a little interesting back and forth. Yeah, to my knowledge, Prince never expressed any thoughts on any of the following Batman films. Um, mm. But then, you know, from, from the original Batman film, he got to date Kim Basinger. So maybe if he'd have gone out with all the leading ladies from the other films, he'd have <laughs> had an opinion on them. But... That's what it would have taken. Yeah, I, I, think, I think his opinion of Batman was limited to two things, which is one, it paid off a huge touring bill that he had. And two, he got to date Kim Basinger for, you know, a few months while she was while he was recording stuff in the studio. And she, uh, you know, kind of came in and did some extra samples for him. Um, but yeah, <laughs> well, she so, did some extra samples. All right. Oh. That's the rumor. <laughs> um, no, well, they literally appeared on they literally appeared on other songs. <laughs> He's literally the samples of her moaning, which appear on other songs. Um, mm. outside of the Batman stuff so yeah I mean I would say for me probably a four out of five like I say I think it's just a tiny bit too long I think maybe shorten it down by about a minute tidy it up a little bit um, and I think it would be a five out of five but as it stands it's probably just a four out of five for me uh, I have to say like I, I do kind of agree that it is too long but then I don't I don't mind that as well I'd actually give it a, a solid five I just thought it was just a really a really well done piece of work it's just like yeah, it's one of those things, you know, to say it up about Prince, but like, you know, you're talented when this is the stuff you're throwing away. Like, where you're going, like, oh, I don't need to release that. And it's like, Jesus Christ, dude, that's, that's, that's really, really great stuff you've done there. And like, yeah, that's nah, fine. So, um, I think, yeah, you know, technically you, it could be tidied up, but nah, I think it's still, it's still pretty great work. So I'll, I'll, I'll go five. Yeah, I, I'm exactly the same, to be honest. You pretty much articulated my thoughts. I, I'd go five. I do agree it's a little bit longer than it needs to be, but I don't hold it against it because I, I just get really into that groove at the end. I, I just sort of get locked into it. <laughs> and uh, as somebody whose uh, favourite album starts with a song that's over 12 minutes long, you know, I'd feel like a hypocrite as well. <laughs> uh, and most of that is repetitive in the best possible way. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I love this. I thought it was, it was haunting. Uh, some of the music made me think of, as I said, John Carpenter. Some other bits sounded like Final Fantasy VII, <laughs> which was baffling. I was like, oh, this is like uh, this part in the castle, blah, blah, blah. Um, so imagine years later, Prince was sitting playing Final Fantasy VII. And he's like, wait, they ripped me off. <laughs> God damn it. I didn't even what release is... that track. How did anyone get this? I thought that was great. I suppose because the PlayStation 1, obviously, they... They didn't have a lot of uh, instruments they could use to make the music and things. So there's a lot of synths and you know computerized music, which you get a lot of that on this. Uh, and it sounded very similar. And I loved it. And it was kind of creepy. I was obsessed. I've listened to it about 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of weird because obviously I guess at this point there's very few things that could be revealed to you about Batman 89. Um, but you know, here is a completely brand new song, thirty years on that you've never heard before. <laughs> yeah. That you know, never heard of this one, yeah. not at all. I've heard some of the B sides and things, but not stuff like this. 
And I think the thing is, this would have made a better B-side on Bad Dance than 200 Balloons. Like, 200 Balloons is okay as a B-side. I like 200 Balloons. But I think mm. if this had been the B-side, people would have been like, what is going on with this? <laughs> like, you know, Bad oh, Dance yeah. is all these samples and kind of upbeat and poppy. And then this, you know, for like eight minutes, people would have been like, what is going on? Um, yeah, whereas... you could have brought in people who weren't sold on the idea. Because a lot of people... I mean, a lot of people even now think it's weird that Prince is doing songs on Batman. <laughs> and mm. and you, you hear people say, oh, I love the music and I love the movie, but they don't go together, which I disagree <laughs> with. But people say that. And I think if this was a B-side, that would have that would have really intrigued people who weren't necessarily Prince fans. Like, oh, oh, what's he doing here? This is a bit different. This fits. I like it. That's the thing. I think I was all on for the episode uh, for 200 Balloons. I think, I think on that, were. I was like, yeah. this should have been in the movie. This should have been there instead of trust. <laughs> so now I'm also like, hey, get rid of the future. Put this in. This is just the, <laughs> this is doing the job oh for you, for Christ's sake. This is the future. Uh, 200 Balloons, that was that was just Tim Burton saying, like, I don't like that song. <laughs> get rid of it. Um, yeah, um, you know, I said before on the 200 Balloons um, track as well, 200 Balloons is pretty much the exact same pace as Trust. And so you could actually just swap that out if you had like an editing thing and just put 200 balloons over the top of that mm, scene. And it, yeah. It would still work. Get, to- um, get for Grace on it. <laughs> get honing yes. those editing skills again. Uh, yes. So, well, anyway, I feel like we said about as much as we possibly can about Dance with the Devil. Um, so uh, let's go to plugs. And I'm going to guess that both of your plugs are the same. So obviously you can make a choice as to who is going to do the plugs. <laughs> yeah. I mean, John, if you want to plug, then... Okay. Uh, okay. I will indeed. Uh, I, I tend to do it most of our episodes. I should have passed it off to you, but I don't care. I'm hogging the limelight now. If you want to hear more of us for some reason, uh, we are all over the place. We are the Bat Minute podcast, as you may have realized, where we analyze uh, the Batman movies one minute at a time. As you hear this, we'll have finished, uh, well, we've finished Batman Returns. We have hiatus episodes about all kinds of weird things, like Christopher Walken's movie, Communion. Um, and you can find us everywhere, iTunes, Spotify, we're on Facebook at the Bat Minute Listener's Cave, and we're on Twitter at Bat Minute as well. So uh, send us a message. We're lovely. We like to talk. And you can find us at uh, Prince Track by Track on Facebook, at Prince Podcast on Twitter, and uh, we're also available on email, but I don't know why you would even bother contacting me that way. Um, so thanks once more for being my guest here for this very special bonus unreleased episode. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us. And otherwise, have you ever danced with the devil? So we were made for each other. Beauty and the beast. Of course, if anyone else calls you beast, I'll rip their lungs out. Dance with the devil in the